0: Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about, man. Man, we're, we're singing prayers to the Lord, right? Send revival, send healing. You know what? And it's awesome, man. It's a, that's a great prayer. That's something we should be praying about. But let me just kind of remind you of something, man, because, because um, we're asking God to send revival and, uh, and healing. You know that it doesn't just go revival. It doesn't just go healed, all right? It requires the men and women who are committed to Jesus Christ, all right, all right to, to be the revival. To be the healers for the glory of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, amen. I keep hearing, man. I was just, oh, it's just so bad. It's getting so crazy. Things are just so nuts, man. You know what I mean? We just want God to come right now, come right now. But you know, there there are a lot of people who don't know that they can know Jesus yet, man. And they need men and women like you and me to get out there, all right, and make the change, to make the difference, all right. People talking about how crazy it's getting. Like, we didn't know it was going to get crazy. Like, we didn't know it was going <laughs> like to happen. Like, he didn't tell us, man, that, that this was going to happen. All right? And like, 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 uh, like, it hasn't happened before. You know? Take a look at history, man. A lot of these things, man, has just been happening over time more, and then again, and then not, and then again, and then not. Man, but my question that we left with last week... As we wrapped up, all right, as we as we wrapped up this uh, series through First Peter, I asked this question, man. I don't know if you remember it, I'll put it up there. How can, how can we use yesterday to prepare us to today to, to, to step into tomorrow with purpose and intention? How can we use yesterday to prepare us today to step into tomorrow with purpose and intention? All right, because, see, God moves when he gets crazy. All right, when we think that it, that is most that that ain't gonna happen, man, and this is how the church began. I don't. I said, okay. I, I jacked up. I got, I got a bad toe. All right. <laughs> I dropped a big old, my motorcycle ramp. It's big old heavy duty ramp made of solid steel. Just dropped it. I didn't have anything else to do. I said, I'm just gonna drop this on my foot. All right. <laughs> it just happened, man. Um, it's feeling a lot better, but I'm still trying to be careful because. The last shoe I, I was wearing filled up with, um, my, my granddaughter calls it sauce. There's sauce coming out of your foot. <laughs> yes, it's, it's sauce. I wish it was just sauce. Praise the Lord. So I'm probably going to sit down a little bit more, um, because my wife told me, make sure you sit down a little bit more. So, anyways, um, there was this, <laughs> way, you know, it's, it's hard. So back in the day, all right? Come on man, we have we have the apostle Paul. He's cruising around, man, recognizing, all right, that, that, that there needs to be new life, all right? A brand new life in Jesus Christ. And he's going around to these different communities and he's traveling into these different towns, big towns, man, that that have a lot more going on than Jesus stuff, right? They have all kinds of things going on and they they don't need to be distracted with that. But yet he's going in there and he's teaching the scriptures. He's reasoning with them. He's kind of talking about God with him, man, and and it's crazy because, you know, he winds up up in this one town called Thessalonica. There he goes, man, I did it, I did it, I did it, all right, all right, man, that that town jacks me up every time, all right, now I'll never, I won't be able to do it again, watch. So I already said it once, now you know where he was at, all right, and it says in Acts chapter 17, you know, verse 3, he says, and you know, he was explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer, for the Christ to suffer. It was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. This Jesus, he's saying, Look at man, you all need to know what you don't know that you can know. And he and he is here to be made known. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who died, was buried, <laughs> rose again, all right, and went, ascended into heaven, gave us his Holy Spirit, and is coming back. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. He said, You got to know this. And they and they didn't like it. <laughs> Some people were really, really down with it, man. They got into it. They're like, yeah, let's do this, all right? And some leaders of the community did. But some people were just, they were just haters because some people were just going to hate. It's like their job in life, all right? It's on their job description, hate, <laughs> all right? And they were, just, they were jealous. They were taking some wicked men, all right? And they got some dirty dudes to do their dirty work, all right, and go in there and try to just, just change things up. And then they went looking for him and they, and they, and they, and they infiltrated this cat's house, Jason, looking for the church, this new thing that's starting. And look what the scripture says in verse six. It says, And when they could not find them, they dragged this homeboy, Jason out. All right. And some of the brothers before the city, city authority shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down are here also. You see what happens when people are living upside down and you come and try to make things right. They look at you like you're the problem. You know what I'm saying, and that's what they said. They said, "Look at man, these guys right here—they've been going on. Apparently, the news got out that these guys were sharing the gospel, and you know what? It says these men here are who have been turning the world upside down. Now they're here too. Check it out, man. Why? Because things was getting crazy, and it was time. And I just want to tell you right now, it's time again." It's time again, man. It's time. We just got to be praying for revival. We're praying for healing. We're shouting out to the Lord. And I tell you right now, the Lord is shouting right back. He's shouting right back, man. He's like, okay, I'm in. Are you in with me? It's time to turn the world right side up. Again, revival, renewal, restoration. All right? To recreate a Jesus culture. Amen? A Jesus culture. Praise the Lord. When I think of re- re- revival, when I think of renewal, when I think of restoration, and, and, you, and you, you look at that, a lot of times I have to look for, for myself, I have to look at church history. I have to take a look at how things went yesterday to help me get a little more prepared today so I can step into tomorrow with purpose and intention. All right? I have to take a look at how God has done things in the past. Yes, in the early church, but even in recent history. You see, I, I you know I remember I wasn't even there, but 200 years ago, all right, <laughs> all right, uh, when we started this, this 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 nation, our first president had no problem talking about Jesus. He was talking to the tribal unit uh, tribunal, tribunal in in Delaware. I think it was 1779, uh, and he was talking to them and he was telling them, you know, uh, how 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 they need to uh, to check out the way of life that they're living. He says, oh, you need to pay attention. Actually, I even have the quote. He says, he said this, he says, you do well to wish and learn the arts of our way of life and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. George Washington said that in, in, in 1779. And so when we, when we look at that, we tend to think, well, this nation started out, everybody was a Christian. Well, that's not the case, all right? I mean, we, either there was still, there was a much opposition even in that time But we look at this and we think we need revival because we started off so amazing and we've just been declining, declining, declining to where now we get to this day in life and we look around and it looks like nobody wants to know God. It's like people like to talk about Jesus, but nobody wants to talk with Jesus. Jesus. You know, and we look around and we think, man, this is just this steadily and steadily declining. And, and I'm telling you, man, that's not, that's not the case. The truth is, you know, ever since, you know, for, for, for thousands of years, was, you've seen this, man, when it comes to, you know, great movements of God and people just going walking away, needing another movement and walking away, We're needing another movement and running away. Have we have learned anything? if we have learned anything? Revival, renewal, restoration comes. When things are most darkest, when things are are most unsettled, most anxious, it's then that that you see our faith start to, is challenged to dig deeper and to grow stronger. The question, all right, when we're talking about revival, when we're talking about this new life, when we're talking about restoration, when we're talking about, man, we need to change, when we're talking about that, are you willing to lead it forward, all right? Are we gonna be the ones to lead it forward? And what do you think that's going to take? What do you think that's going to take, man? I take a look at yesterday, and I see, I see a good lesson, man. Back in the, back in the, in the 1780s, a little over 240 years ago, there was a guy, he was a historian, J. Edwin Orr, and he was just writing down things, man. And he was just writing down what, what, what social, what life looked like here in this brand new United States of America. He said drunkenness was, was, was just rampant. He says, the streets, this is 1780, man, you won't even think about this. The streets were not safe to walk around at night. You couldn't walk around at night. It just wasn't safe, right? And he says, and as for the church, man, they were just dwindling down to almost nothing. More and more people were leaving the church. Young people have not walked into the church, it seemed, for, for, for years, all right? They haven't seen new young faces in the church. Congregations were joining together because they were all falling apart, some pastors were actually leaving the ministry saying, there's, I'm out of work. Nobody wants to know Jesus. This was the condition. And our country wasn't even 10 years old yet. If you, if you take a look at, at some of, of, of the colleges, Harvard, all right, they, uh, they, they checked out, they were looking at Harvard, and they were just, just kind of did a poll to see how many Christians they had in the school. Harvard, they came up zero, They checked out Princeton, all right, which was an evangelical beginning, has evangelical roots, and you know, and and they, they found two Christians in the whole school. And only five people in the school that said they weren't a part of this new society club that was called the Dirty Mouth Club. All right, they, they started just, just rioting. Students themselves were rioting, anti-Christian riots, all right? And even at Dartmouth in New Hampshire, they were, uh, they were having these anti-Christian you know, plays and stuff just, just for the community. I think it was in New Jersey, all right? These students rushed into this Presbyterian church and they just started taking Bibles out, not so they could read them, but so they can burn them. It was crazy. And it was just getting crazier and crazier. In the 1780s, man, uh, uh, oh, not 1780s, my bad. Well, yeah, 1780s, Chief Justice, Justice U.S. Marshal, or U.S. Just, Chief Justice, his name was John Marshall. He wrote to the Bishop of Virginia named James Madison. You may have heard of him, all right, saying that, that the church was gone has gone too far, too far to ever be redeemed, that the church would never be redeemed, that that was it. Thomas Paine, all right, he wanted to echo the words of Voltaire, and he said, you know, in 30 years, Christianity will be Utterly forgotten. This was the state. I mean, if you look around today, I hear some people saying, that's what's happening right now. All right. So what are we going to do about it? All right. God intervened though, man. He did. You want to know how God intervened back in the late 1700s? Through a prayer movement. Through a movement of prayer. Of men and women who gather together, Christian men and women, who gather together and would consistently pray for revival of God's holy church for his glory. I say holy because his spirit is upon it and it's his holy spirit which makes the church holy for his glory. We're gonna talk about that in a few weeks, right? He got crazy. And it looked like when things were at their worst, there was a New England pastor, all right? His name was Isaac Backus. And I think it was in, in, I think I even have the date, Uh, 1794. He called for a prayer revival. And he started challenging pastors from other uh, faith-based organizations, Christian faith-based organizations, challenging them, man, I don't care about your denominations, man. You need to get together and we need to start praying together. He started calling people who are serious about their walk with Christ, who believed the gospel, cast down their idols and would pursue a holy life. And he says, come on now, let us pray for what? For, for, For the people you don't even like right now. So that God's glory will be revealed in their life. And they started to do it, and they started to gain momentum. So much so that all across this tiny little nation back then, there began a concert of prayer every Monday, every first Monday of the month. That people were just gathering, and obviously for more than that. But there was this there was this concerted effort across the nation of men and women who were praying for revival. And it was in early think well, It was actually the year eighteen hundred in Kentucky. There was this. There was this. There was this. There was this kind of. Uh, There was this movement that took place in Kentucky, man. And and one day, man, it just, about 11,000 people, 11,000, which was huge for back then. It's huge for today. 11,000 people gathered for a communion service. They didn't gather because they had a really killer band, all right, an awesome speaker. They gathered to remember, all right, the, the suffering of our King, our Savior, Jesus Christ. They gathered to, to remember the suffering and the forgiveness of their sins through the shed blood of Christ Jesus on the cross. 11,000 people gathered, not so they could hear amazing preaching, but that so they could submit to the authority of their king, their savior, their great God, Jesus Christ. And it just kept happening, man. It just kept happening. And out of that second great awakening, that's what it's called historically, the second great awakening. We have all kinds of really cool things that came out of that. Modern missionary movement came out of that. The abolition of slavery came out of that. Popular education, all right, came out of that. Bible societies were formed here in the States, all right, and it was pretty awesome. This thing called Sunday School, which was actually, if we can get back to that kind of original Sunday School, I'm all about it. They were teaching people how to read, not just kids. They were teaching adults how to read by using the scriptures. Here, listen, you don't know how to read? Let's, here's our textbook. This word right here, God. The next word, yeah. created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, praise the Lord, amen. Hopelessness. Hopelessness was turned upside down. Amen. I tell you all of this, man, because once again, people, man, you know this. More and more people are finding the church, or at least they think they're finding the church irrelevant to the world today. I get it, man, because a lot of people, man, they feel like they have to go through a 50-year time warp to walk in the front door. Whoop, whoop, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, uh, and that's, that's not the case, but we know this, but that's how a lot of people feel. And so they're not knowing and they're not seeing if they can actually know Jesus, but I'm here to tell you, man, so, so, so what does that tell us? Yeah, we don't need to stop inviting people to church. Literally, the icing on the cake. Church actually happens all day long. But we need to start taking the church to the world. We need to start taking the church to the world, amen? But here's my question, man. Are you the church? Are you the church, homie? Come on, man, think about it. Think about it. Why? What makes you the church? (laughs) All right. Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you believe the beginning of the story? There was this garden. Do you believe that not only was this garden, but God was in the garden with man after he quit? you know, here, let's get some dirt. Hey, what's happening, dude? How are you doing? I'm God. All right, praise the Lord. I mean, how, do you believe this? Do you believe that? It's crazy. And do you believe that he blew it? Don't tell God, Eve, Eve, don't, don't tell, you know, and then blew it. Separate the fall. Do you believe in the fall? But then also, do you believe in the promise of God saying there will be restoration? There will be a way back. Do you believe in the cross? Do you believe in, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? All right. Do you believe in, 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 the, in, in the gifting of his Holy Spirit for his church? Do you believe that Jesus Christ sits, sits next to the Father? Do you believe that he intercedes for the saints? Do you believe that he is coming back? To judge the living and the dead, do you believe this gospel story? Are you the church? Do you? What's up, dude? I know. What up? Do you believe this gospel story? Do you believe? Okay, now, do you? Are are you constantly about recognizing those things in your life that raise themselves higher than God? Are you recognizing these things? The scriptures will call them idols. All right, are you, are you recognizing these things that are making themselves king in your life and are you constantly identifying them and, and putting them next to the true king and then kicking them to the curb for his glory? Are you the church? Are you pursuing holiness? Because as Jesus said, we just talked a little bit about it this last series. We're gonna talk a little bit more coming up here. Are you pursuing what it means to be holy? Because God himself said, be holy as I am holy. More like, dang, that is a tall order. Not if you are gifted and empowered with his Holy Spirit. If you are empty of the Holy Spirit, not holy, but if you are given the Holy Spirit of God, all right, holy, made holy by his glory, for his glory, are you pursuing that life of holiness? A different life that makes a difference in life. Are you the church? This is the church right here, at least the foundation of the church that turns the world right side up. But I got a question for you. I put it up there, man. Are are you trying to turn the world right side up while you're walking upside down? Oh man, come on. What's wrong with everybody? What's wrong with you? Are you trying to turn the world right side up, all right, while walking upside down, man? All of these things, right, the gospel, casting down idols, holiness, all right, we're going to challenge over the next nine weeks. Today's talk, today's sermon, today's exhortation, today's encouragement basically is just kind of an opening for where we're going to go in three little mini-series over the next three, over the next nine weeks, maybe a little bit more, all the way up to Easter, and I'm sure you've heard a lot of these things. You're like, we're gonna talk about that again. I've already heard that. Okay, well, yeah, okay, well, wait, 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 wait. Have they transformed you? Have these things transformed you? Are you inspiring the lives around you because of what not only you know, but what you believe, what you trust, who you believe, who you trust? Because inspiration, check this out, inspiration that doesn't lead to transformation just becomes more information, right? Inspiration that does not lead to transformation just becomes more information. The thing about revival is that throughout history, it happens when the church is most de- desperate, right? When the church is most desperate and they're crying out for God. When culture is most broken, all right, and will easily recognize God when they see him. And when the world is, says it's most unlikely, when the world says it's nah. And then God will shine and say, we're laughing now. No, anyways, he doesn't say that. We will say that. We probably shouldn't. All right? Are you ready to reach out, man? Come on. All right? Are you ready to reach out for God in a way that you have never have before? Are you ready to reach out in a way you've never reached before? Not just right here, man, but in your house and you're, with your families, with your friends, in your jobs, in your schools, in your relationships, at the movie theater, at the, at, the, at the Walmart, whatever, man. Are you ready to reach out like you've never reached out before? All day, every day. Are you ready to say, you know what? Sunday is not enough. Yeah. All right? Come on now. John Tyson said this man, he says, "God comes where God's wanted." All right? He's everywhere where well, revival comes when we, the revivalists, say, "We're in whatever you want to do, we're all the way in." Let me ask you this, man, do you ever think that maybe, 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 the things you wish were different are not different because you're still not that different. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I ain't sorry. I'm not sorry. All right? (laughs) Do you ever think that, 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 that maybe the things that you wish were different are not that different because you yourself are not that different? Inspiration that leads to transformation. I hear so many times, man. That was inspiring. The word was inspiring. I read this thing this morning was inspiring. Uh, you know what I mean? And and and, and that you know uh, you know every every weekend service you know hopefully is inspiring. Every Bible devotion oh, that you take you know devotion time is hopefully inspiring. Every prayer meeting was hopefully inspiring. And every conversation about Jesus Christ yes is inspiring. And they also give you tools to reach and lead the world and inspire the world. For, for to, to make it different, for things to change, for the truth of the gospel. But information that does not lead to a personal transformation, it only becomes more information and just to be cataloged away as we go about our day. Over the next couple of months, man, we're gonna lead you guys, God willing. We're gonna lead you in a life and church that turns the world upside down actually turns it right side up and we're gonna lead you and show you what it looks like God willing and learn ourselves but if you do not commit to the transformational life that God is leading you to nothing gonna happen you understand that ain't nothing gonna happen why? Because inspiration, it does not lead to transformation. It just becomes more and more and more information. And you already got a lot of information, right? I mean, we're, we're jam-packed. We get informed every day, right? We're the exiles, man, that are on mission between two cultures, sent out to create a Jesus culture right in the middle of everything. What are you going to do about that? Hmm? I love how Jesus, he gives us a filter for the future. Let me read a little bit out of uh, Matthew here real quickly, and then I'm going to open up his explanation. Father, we just give you the praise, Lord God, and the glory, Lord God, in the name of Christ Jesus. We're nothing without you. And we can do nothing of any great and eternal value without you. So we just pray, Lord God, that you just give us understanding. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus was out preaching and teaching. It says the same day, all right, I don't have, this is not going to be up there right yet. All right, I'm going to read some here uh, and then I'll, I'll put some stuff up there for you. But just listen, just listen to the story. It says the same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. I want you to picture the scene. How many of us like sitting by the, by the sea, by a large body? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right here. <laughs> All right, we like sitting down by a nice. I like I like I don't know. I like people like sitting by a lot nice calm water. I like oceans just like beating stuff down. <laughs> people out there trying to take selfies. Oh. <laughs> All right, you know that was always hilarious. But uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that's what Jesus was doing. Watch well, these people are going to take selfies. Peter, come here, check us out. All right, no, I don't think he was doing that. I think I think he was just I think he was, was chilling. He went to go sit down, man. And, and you know, as as was always the case, a lot of crowds they just kind of get around them. Started just coming around Christ. Well, he's God. He had that attraction. They come around. They sit around. So, 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 we got inside of a boat, right? I was sitting by the sea. All this crowd came along. So, so, we got inside of a boat, and, and and he moved away from the ocean, right? Because we didn't have speakers back then. But you know, I mean, the the, the ocean, the sea, I forget what sea it was. But anyways, that, that makes a you know you know how water just kind of carries sound and noise across the water. And Jesus, creating the one who created water, probably that was part of the reason he did it. Who knows? Check this out. <laughs> they sat down and, and the crowd stood on the beach. And he started telling them these stories that he would call parables. These stories, man, to just check and see if anybody is really listening. Sometimes these stories would be like really kind of vague and, you know, but, but they, they, they had this eternal meaning and they reached into every listener that was there. There was not a person listening that could not, you know, grab a hold of this story in some kind of way and find how it either worked. You know, you know, it drew them forward. It caused them to pretend, or it created a wall. They they created a wall because they wanted that stuff coming in. I started telling these stories, man, and listen to the story. He says, "All right, a sower went out to sow. Basically, a cat that was going to go out and plant some, some, you know, a, a, a garden or whatever, right? And normally they have this little satchel." All right, or they have this bag tied, tied around their waist, and it had just this bag of seeds, All right, And so what they would do is they'd just grab it. Whoosh, whoosh. Uh, we planted some grass last year, and I was, I was just, I felt pretty cool that I can go out there and just sow some seed. It was pretty <laughs> awesome. All right, and I was like, I was even telling Debbie, look, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> I'm sowing seed, man. Sowing seed, all right, and it grew, we grew grass, it was pretty cool, but he said a sower went out to just throw the seed, man, and, and, you know, obviously he wants it to land right in the soil, all right, but, 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 you know, it's, it's rarely, uh, fairly uncultivated land around his area, he says, as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other, other seeds, you know, fell on the rocky ground. So, so, so you know, the, the hardened path. There ain't nothing getting through that. Seed on top, birds are like, yes, boom, 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 boom. Check, because it just lands on the surface, gets it out. Other, other fell on the, on the rocky ground, it says here, right? Where they didn't have much soil, but there was some immediately it sprang up, not like right in real time, but it it sprang up really, really tall. But since they had no depth of soil, right? But but when the sun rose, it was scorched because they didn't have any root. They withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns and and, and the thorns grew up and choked it out. But other seeds fell on good soil, produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Or he who is trying to hear, she who is trying to hear, you who are trying to hear, man, pay attention. Inspiration. All right, with without transformation, it's just gonna be more information. And and he goes to prove it when he shows, when he shows this, like he explains it later on, because the boys are like, dude, what did that even mean? Right? So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18, I'll put this up there. He said, Well, then hear then the parable of sore. He said, When anyone hears the word, this is where we're going over the next nine weeks. And my challenge for you to stay engaged. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, all right, or doesn't, literally doesn't try to understand it. Merely just kind of hears it, and it bounces off the eardrums. The evil one comes and snatches what has been sown in his heart. This is that which was sown among the path. Literally, what he's getting ready to tell us is there are four people, all right, in the world today, and here are their four responses when they hear the word. Some of them are just too hard. And you know what? Yeah, that was good. All right, whatever. Anyways, back to life. The he snatches it away. As for, those who, uh, the, for, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word immediately, receives it with joy, all right? Yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. But, but when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Is that person who gets the word, man, jumps real, real high. Woo! Yes, I got baptized today. I got saved. You know what I mean? I go to church, all right, and then you know what? Yeah, I and maybe not anymore, all right. Once in a while, all right, and you know what? God, who, what? And it just it starts to fall away because things start like people start coming up. What's up? Honey? I heard. I heard. That, you know what's going on with all this, man? Is this really? You know, I mean, I told you back in the past when people used to, when well, if I first gave my life to Christ, they're like, I thought you was just, you know, you was just kidding. My, my buddy was up here, man, right? and he's, he's, he's back in the hood where we're from, and he's still seeing people from, you know, I've been walking with Jesus 26 years now, and these people are still questioning what I'm doing up here. They're like, is he really, you know, what's he, what kind of game is that boy running up there? You know, what I mean, because this can't be real. All right. <laughs> everybody, everybody is trying to just put this to the test. And these cats right here, he's saying, man, they didn't, they didn't stand the test. Right? It, it, they just it didn't it didn't sink in. It didn't become life. So they fall away. And as for the soul, the, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world. He hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and it proves them for, for, for fruitful. Now, there is a person he, here that could receive the word, own the word, all right, and maybe even start to own the position. But, you know, the enemy is relentless with his assault on the church. The enemy is relentless with his assault on the church. And if you're here today, and it's just, and this seed that God is sowing, this is word, the seed is the word of God. As being sown, man. And and if it, and it's just it's hitting a hard, just hardened road, a hardened path, it's a hard head. And recognize, man, it's up to you to soften the soil. It's up to you to pursue this word. Otherwise, the enemies are coming right right as you are, even now as you're listening. The enemies and you're like, what did he say? What did that? What was that word? Anyways, nah, never mind. What time's lunch? Some of you may be receiving that word, man, but there's not a lot of deep soil. You're, you got a lot of rocks in your life, right? And the word, you get pretty happy, man. You're like, yeah, man, oh, man, so-and-so needs to hear this. You know what I'm saying? Man, they really need to hear this. I w- I'm gonna tell them. And you come home on fire for a day, all right? And then when you don't get the response from that so-and-so that you wanted uh, you start questioning it. Your friends, whatever, family, whatever, and you, and, and, and you fall away. Some of you, man, or man, are receiving this word. You're like, man, that is not me, man. Ain't no birds going to snatch this away, all right? I got some deep soil. And yet, but, 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 but there's, the enemy says, okay, let's see. And he puts some stuff real, real close. All right, and it starts to creep in, man, like the bills and the kids and the this and the that and the world and, man, you know what I mean, all this stuff, and we allow it to choke out rather than just like, you know what, Jesus is king and constantly praying, I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours. This soil, this soil is good soil, man. These weeds, they, ain't got, they, got, they, got, they got no hold on me, no claim on me. I'm yours. He said, hey, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, man. That just receives it, but owns it, man, and says, you know what? This word, the word, understands that that the word of God is greater than any promise out there, any threat out there, all right? And and, and it it, it is the word of God given by God. And indeed, he bears fruit and yields that fruit. In other words, becomes the revivalist, becomes the healer, stands and becomes the world changer because the world is changed in that life, his or her life. And because of that inspiration leading to transformation, that life is an inspiration to the lives around it. And then you see revival, a great movement, that begins with crying out to God, but that cry is saying, God, I'm ready for you to cry. Right, cry right back out to me. I'm yours, you choose, All right? This is good soil, amen. Jesus taught for a response. He would teach this for life change. He didn't come to just transfer some information But he came to challenge transformation. And inspiration that does not lead to transformation just becomes, inspiration that does not lead to transformation just becomes more information, amen? What I want you to do, man, is I want you to dig in with us over the next nine weeks, for sure. If you can't make it here, get on with us online, all right? Dig in, man, because... We're going to challenge this thing. And I want to ask. I want you to ask the question, man, am I the church? Am I the church? We're going to lead you through the scriptures, man, the best that we can, empowered by his Holy Spirit, so that's going to be pretty darn good. I want you to dig in with us, man. As we talk about the gospel, casting down the kings that set themselves up against God and pursuing holiness, as we become the men and women We're gonna change the world. God says, those are the healers. Those are revivalists. Those are the world changers, amen? So what I want you to do this week is I want you to take that scripture right there, Matthew chapter uh, 13, verse 18 through 23. And I want you to ask yourself the question, which soil best describes me? Which soil best describes you? Which soil best describes you? And then I want you to challenge it with another question. Where are you not allowing change in your life? Which soil best describes you, man? The hard path, the rocky, no roots, all right? The uh, surrounded by weeds and, and thorns and just allowing it to just take you down, choke you out, or the cultivated good soil? All right, and where, and where Are you not allowing change, man? And finally, man, my favorite question in the world, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? We're praying for revival. We're looking at the world, man. We're saying it's happening. But how how do you see it happening? Through men and women of God. Who are the church committed, sold out, cultivating that soil for the glory of the King? Amen. It's your turn now, man. Praise the Lord.